BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Connor, we have seven provocative questions. Seven? To run by people. Yeah, oh we're going to have to talk really fast. It's going to be hot all night. Absolutely. Question number one. Will Johnny Depp's big win chill the exercise of free speech? Mm. Inquiring minds want to know. Question oh. two related. Uh, why did Johnny Depp lose in the United Kingdom but win big in America? Question number three. Was the jury the Virginia chapter of the Johnny Depp fan club? <laughs> it's going to be a Johnny Depp-themed show, I yeah, can tell. Amber Heard wants to know about that. Question four. Does God hate Mayor Eric Garcetti? Wait, what or? about Johnny Depp? I don't understand why we got... I, I, I thought it was a... Jo- okay, okay, different topic. On. Totally different. Okay. So, Judge, uh, that is, Mayor Garcetti's having some trouble, and I'm just wondering, you know, if it's a, a celestial punishment type thing. Question number five. Will Chief Justice Roberts get his leaker? He has sicked the uh, top marshal of the U.S. Supreme Court to find the leaker of the abortion draft. We'll talk about that. Question number six. Are you ready for a blockbuster June in Supreme Court? We have abortion, guns, prayer in school, immigration, all coming down the pipe. Yeah, not much happened this week, which means they're loading it all at the end. They are, absolutely. And matter of fact, the reporters who watch the Supreme Court very carefully say they're way behind in terms of uh, you know, kicking stuff out the door at the end of the year. And finally, question number seven. Did you know David Hasselhoff is not the world's richest lifeguard? No. Were you aware of that? Tragic. If you're a Baywatch fan? Or Hassel. We're going to get to all seven of those topics. And at the end of the episode, uh, our favorite feature. Guess the verdict. Connor's going to try to guess the outcome of a real live case. It has to do with a Manhattan restaurant's review defamation suit. In other words, Ooh. a negative review of a restaurant uh, resulted in a defamation suit by defamation, huh? the, the eatery. The Johnny Depp theme continues. Yep, absolutely. Johnny Depp is, is the, he's the big guy of the week. All right, so let's get to topic number one. Will Johnny Depp's win chill the exercise of free speech? So Amber Heard's sin, according to the jury, uh, her defamation, the bad speech, was an op-ed piece in the Washington Post about domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. She recounted her experience uh, about 
uh, why she considered herself the face of victims. Uh, and of course, everybody knew she'd accused Johnny Depp of domestic violence in their divorce a couple of years before. And that is an important piece. distinction. What you're describing is two different statements. Yep. One, the, the subject of the lawsuit, the civil lawsuit here is, is the text of this op-ed. Johnny Depp and his lawyer said, in that op-ed, you defamed me. Not outside the op-ed you defamed me, but in the text of that op-ed. And mm -hmm. in the text of the op-ed, she said, I have become the face of domestic violence, which is, or domestic abuse, rather. And that is a very carefully crafted, carefully worded uh, uh, article that was clearly, in my view, read over by multiple lawyers uh, to make sure that this wouldn't draw a defamation suit. And guess what? Those lawyers are all tugging uncomfortably at their collars now because it certainly did. And uh, the judgment was 10 million bucks uh, plus punitives, which were reduced. But still, um, th this is you know, a very surprising result. And the question of, uh, that you bring up, will this chill speech? I don't think that there's any way we can slice this to say that it won't chill speech. I mean, even let's assume for a moment that she's the villain and he's the hero, right. which is an awful simplistic way to look at this and probably not the case. But imagine for a, a moment that that is the case. Even if she is truly the villain and he's truly the hero, the defamation case brought over a very carefully worded piece that got through the Washington Post and they got a headline slapped on it by the editors and they published it and everyone, you know, processed it as this is the sort of thing people write about in op-eds. Of course, if that is followed up by a successful $10 million judgment uh, against that person, that's going to chill the speech of anybody. Yeah. Everybody's well, afraid of that. Well, a lot of people agree with you. Uh, Marianne Franks, uh, uh, she teaches at the University of Miami School of Law. She said, the handful of statements at issue in this case relayed objectively true facts that Heard spoke up against sexual violence and became a public figure representing domestic abuse uh, is, you know, is, is, she was chilled. Uh, another one weighed in, uh, uh, Jeff McFarland, he's an entertainment uh, litigator at the uh, McCool Smith case. He works on defamation cases. And uh, he said that uh, it's, it's very concerning that, about this verdict's effect on the public square, especially since Heard never mentioned Depp's name in her article. Mm -hmm. And the piece focused on legislative reforms and the actress's new status as sort of an ambassador for the ACLU. Importantly, she even... D drew a line between domestic abuse and domestic violence. That's the sort of thing a lawyer might sort of flag in a first draft and say, well, Ms. Hurd, you here write domestic violence. We should soften that to domestic abuse because we want to protect ourselves from a defamation suit, see? And there's video of Johnny Depp in his home interacting with you, drunk in the morning, slamming glass cabinets, throwing stuff around the house, throwing a wine glass and shattering it in the house, yelling and shouting. This is a guy who's clearly angry, emotive, loud, volatile personality. Those are the sorts of things we might classify as uh, abuse, like verbal abuse even. So in her op-ed, she doesn't even say, he hit me, even though later she appears outside with what appear to be bruises, uh, following certain altercations that they had, and she uh, alleges that were, those were that was physical violence. In the op-ed, she doesn't even say that, right? This is very careful. This is very, you know, washed out, abstract, zoomed out, and it says uh, domestic uh, abuse, which can could be even just be words or actions like right. throwing the wine glass, stuff that's on camera. So we're really zoomed out here. Absolutely, in my mind, that leads to 
chilling of other people who want to come forward and bring these allegations. So let's go to question number two. Why did Depp lose in the UK, but win in Virginia? Mm, A lot of people are focusing on a a couple of factors. First of all, in the UK, he sued the tabloid that reported the allegations that he is a wife beater. And maybe the lesson is that uh, people in the United Kingdom, a judge, uh, think a paper can report allegations without getting into trouble. But if you sue the speaker, maybe you've got a better shot. Yeah, that is a big difference, right? If you sue the, the, the intermediary, even an intermediary like a tabloid that's incendiary, that is doing this for money. This isn't, you know, valid news. It's not like people need to know this. They're doing this to make a profit. And it, you know, the First Amendment is not applicable in the UK, but the same notions are sort of same sort of values theoretically apply where we say like, well, if the Associated Press is reporting on the facts and like the Wall Street, you know, numbers or the deaths in a shooting or uh, the allegations uh, that, that somebody, you know, committed a crime against somebody else husband and wife committed a crime against each other and they're persons of public interest. Uh, the Associated Press is, they're just throwing their hands up and going, look, we do the news here. Right. This is, you know, we're reporting things because they're happening in the world. And this is an objectively good thing for society and all the rest. Tabloids are different, right? Tabloids are rags. Tabloids don't get respect. Tabloids are trash. Yeah. People and, hate them. And yet, I mean, the judge over in the UK, he, he looked at 14 allegations of abuse and he concluded 12 of them were true. Yeah. And then when Depp tried to appeal, the appellate court rejected it. It's a little different over there. The appellate court's position in England was, this sucks so badly. This, I don't even this, want to hear it. We're not even going to listen yeah. to it. That's not yeah. how they handle it here here in America, yeah. generally. Something hey, else you said, though, very important, another factor that affected this, in addition to you, what uh, I mean, really, it should go the other way, right? You said uh, it's a newspaper, right? But mm-hmm. it, even though it's a tabloid, you're right. It is an intermediary. It is the not is the neutral party, sort of. It's not the person saying, uh, you know, he hit me. Uh, or I was an abuse victim, uh, or whatever else. It's it's the third party in the middle. So that's one factor that might change it. The other factor that might ch- uh, explain the difference, out, uh, different outcomes between the UK and the US, that is what you said earlier. The judge in that UK case, because yeah, and in here the UK he, case, yeah, he he handled it here. You got seven jurors. Exactly, a jury is a whole different animal than and, a judge. You and, get a very emotional group of normal human beings, as opposed to some sort of law robot who can get in their own head about the legal definitions of terms and the claims and this and that and their you know preconceived notions you and i love to talk about whether judges are real humans right we, we love to talk about how they make decisions and whether they're political animals and I think we both agree they're human beings and they have political preferences, but judges are inevitably going to come to different conclusions than juries. Whatever those different ones are, it makes sense that they come to different conclusions. In my mind, I can see judges really getting hung up on the terms of defamation and this and that. And, and you could technically be, have a claim. Could be celebrity justice. I mean, yes. Johnny Depp's a big star. Because the, the other reason people are pointing to in terms of why he won here is he she came across like a liar. She right. kind of changed her, her story. She didn't go get medical treatment and there can be explanations for changes of memory and so on but that was a problem and he was really charming i mean he just turned it on and used all of his star power and his charisma you know in the uk uh, the judge noted that amber heard was credible because she said she'd give all of her money that she was getting from him seven million bucks to charity and he he wrote the judge this proves she's not a gold digger well 
When the U.S. trial rolled around, she had to admit "Eh, she never actually gave that money away. She needed it to pay her lawyers. Hmm. And so it makes you wonder, you know, was the U.K. judge kind of an idiot to fall for this idea that this pretty young woman is is going to give away the money? Yeah, that is a it's a tall it's a tall promise to ask anybody to give away seven million dollars and not exactly shocking that she didn't. But when it comes to credibility, that sort of thing could be totally damning. I mean, you're right. Celebrity justice is 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 one thing. And whichever person is the bigger celebrity has a big advantage. A lot of people wanted to look at this. and I, I saw this constantly online. Well, you know, they're both celebrities, so it's fair. Both of them have tons of fans out there that love them unconditionally for no reason. Look, Amber Heard was kind of in Aquaman or something. I don't even know. Johnny Depp had one of the most successful, commercially successful franchises of the last two decades. Yep. Pirates of the Caribbean, Disney movies. Like they made like ten sequels. He's got. He created this character. He is that character. People went completely Captain bananas Jack. for him. So and also, I mean, everything back to Edward Scissorhands, right? He's had this massive career. Name a movie other than Aquaman that Amber Heard has been in. You can't do it. Nobody else can do it except people who love her on Twitter or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So I think we've kind of addressed our third question: whether the jury was the Virginia chapter of the Johnny Depp fan club. I mean, you could say, well, how could else could you explain the verdict? There are obviously other explanations you could point to but these are complicated you know, the, it was weird though connor that that the ju- the jury said you both win johnny wins oh, very 15 weird. million very weird she wins two million yeah. it's almost like really uh or was this a compromise deal where all seven of you had to agree because that's the rule in virginia so unlike california work. where only nine out of 12 yeah. have to agree in a civil case probably five on the jury said to the two who liked Amber, look, uh, sorry, but we really like Johnny here and you better go along with us. And the two liked Amber said, yeah, it's a hung jury if we can't all seven agree. So either you give us something that'll satisfy us. And they, I think they just gave her a little something, two million bucks for Amber. I have had literally that exact scenario happen. I'm, I'm, I'm been lucky enough to, after the jury trials uh, that I've handled, sometimes you can talk to the jurors. Um, the, the judge says, please, you know, wait outside in the hall. If you'd like to talk to the lawyers, the lawyers would of course like to ask about how they performed and what they could have you know done better and what they, you liked about it and blah, blah, blah. And so uh, I've talked to the uh, jurors sometimes afterwards and, and, Every time that I've done it, they describe horse trading. Every time juries get in there and they say, there's a group of people that have their mind made up and they won't be swayed one way or another. And you got to give them something. You got to move. There's not really a lot of convincing that goes on. There's bargaining because you got to fill out a verdict form. It's got to say something at the end. It's got to have one answer. But that one answer is, you know, a complicated checklist of of places where you can write multiple things for multiple outcomes and this claim and, and that claim and how many times how much money you offered each one, and they can hand it out. I, I had lots of people, um, the jurors, look at, at verdict forms, and the, the verdict forms say uh, uh, loss of earnings, right? A distinct chunk of money, an amount of money to compensate somebody for their wages that they didn't earn, in my case, because they were injured, they couldn't go to work for a while. So uh, the other side says, we should, we want, we want to get $5,000 uh, in loss of earnings. Now, on the other side, you have pain and suffering. Totally different category. Absolutely different category. And they're arguing, oh, uh, I should get 50000 I should get 80000 I should get, and the other, and my side saying they should get 1000 or 500 bucks because they really weren't hurt that bad, right? And so the the jury comes back and they've taken the number from the loss of earnings claim, 5000 and they mm-hmm. just moved it over to the pain and suffering. And wow. I think, well, that's a coincidence. I talk to the juror afterwards and they say, no, that's literally what we did. 
we couldn't can, we couldn't agree. So we just said, okay, you all want to give him the loss of earnings, and you all want to give him the pain and suffering. Let's just take the number from the loss of earnings and put it in the pain and suffering, and get the heck out of here and go home because it's Friday. And I told, I think I told the story in an earlier podcast about a jury trial I had where uh, the, I was representing the insurance company that uh, had sold a disability policy to a guy, and the guy his claim was denied, and so he sued. After four days of deliberation, the jury came to the judge and said, "Can we vote for the?" plaintiff and give him one dollar so clear and it turned out eight of them wanted to vote for the insurance company four for the guy right and you need nine and the way they were going to solve the problem is they vote for the guy but only give him one dollar so it happens i have this question for you though when you've talked to the jurors after your trials and they asked for your autographs as a right. podcast star. Did, did you stay to the end and sign all, or did you, like some ballplayers, yeah. say, hey, I'm sorry, I've, yeah. got, I've got to go Another now. Thank you so much yeah. for your support. Well, you want to leave them wanting more. What, what did you, you know? do? That's How did you secret. handle that timing problem? Uh, well, I talk about celebrity justice. Uh, my clients certainly get uh, the benefit of celebrity justice because the jury always knows who I am. There you go. No, I think if any a juror admitted to have having listened to our podcast, uh, I think they get booted off the jury by my uh, Why, uh, my for opponent. having excessive intelligence. Exactly. Question I mean- number four: <laughs> Does God hate Eric Garcetti? Now, first, probably first, he does not get a cabinet post in the Biden administration, in mm, spite brutal. of having been a very early, supporter. very major supporter yeah. of Biden. True. Next. Garcetti's ambassadorship to India is stalled because he allegedly did nothing about his aid sexual harassment. Then his parents, Garcetti's parents, two weeks ago, hire a lobbying firm to move the nomination for India along. Not a good look for your parents to do that. And now finally, you know, if if maybe God is just laughing at him, what uh, more tragedy Garcetti's crisis manager has been accused of killing a pedestrian while driving a city car, while driving alone in the carpool lane. This guy's the head of the mayor's crisis response team. Dear Lord. Could it be any tougher for poor Eric Garcetti poor right now? having a bad month. That is, that is unfortunate. I mean, I, you can vet, you can do the, all the background checks in the world on this guy, and it's going to be hard to find out. Whether or not he he also, in addition to being a good employee and good at you know whatever crisis management duties he was supposed to do, happens to speed in the carpool lane and uh, run people down. That that one's a hard one to predict. I yep. got a lot of, now the the not responding to the the underling sexual abuse of which you you may have learned and found out about and just tried to had to keep quiet or do nothing about that one. I can hold the guy responsible for this one. Uh, it's rough. Right? Yeah, a little bit. When we get uh, come back, uh, will Chief Justice Roberts get his man or woman or a binary person or non-binary, whoever it is uh, of the leaker of the abortion draft? It's a big mystery in Washington, D.C. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. As I do every week, uh, check us out on your podcast platform of choice. That's probably Apple Podcasts, but it might be whichever kind of phone you use. Uh, could be the Google Play Store has a different uh, podcast app that you like, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, whatever. And on each of those platforms, we've got different ratings and reviews and uh, different comment sections. And we would very much appreciate it if you'd drop a comment in those sections. Uh, we read them all and we love them. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Timothy Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So it is Supreme Court season, Connor. Um, a couple of questions uh, are actually the fifth question in our list. Will Chief Justice Roberts get his leaker? So the abortion uh, decision draft by Justice Alito was leaked a, month, uh, a couple of months ago. Law clerks for the U.S. Supreme Court are hiring attorneys. They are lawyering up because the Supreme Court is asking them for their cell phone records and for affidavits, meaning they would sign under penalty of perjury. I had nothing to do with the leak. Now, presumably these smarties, the smartest of the smart law students across America, recent law graduates, cops. Yeah, no better than to have in their you know search history, their phone, their cell records, right, right, right. uh, their email transfers, downloading records. They're not going to leave a paper trail, probably. But if they sign an affidavit that says, no, I didn't do that under penalty of perjury, and then it turns out they actually were involved. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to figure the chances are decent that one of the clerks uh, was involved. Who knows? Could have been a staffer. I could have been a justice. A little unlikely. But if it turns out that, you know, some of the other folks, they squeeze them and they flip and they say, yeah, it was little Wilbur, the clerk in the chambers of Sotomayor with, or Thomas or whatever. With the noose or the lead pipe. Or, yeah. yeah. Then uh, goodbye, multimillion dollar job as fancy lawyer. Oh, yeah. oh my uh, God. These people come out. Deep of, trouble. They, they come out of Supreme Court clerkships and they roll so smoothly into these super ultra high prestige jobs cushy jobs where they get multiple years of credit on the partnership track so you Mm -hmm. start out at one of these firms you you are a a lowly first year associate you have lowly first year associate duties you're the 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 bottom of the totem pole you're doing the worst work uh and you're making the worst salary which is still incredibly high but you are at the the bottom and they all want to grind up towards being the partner who owns a portion of the firm and makes effectively millions of dollars because they own a portion of the firm. These people skip the line. They jump years into the into the future and they get huge signing bonuses like half a million well, dollars partly or because a million they're dollars. Really, really qualified. Oh, absolutely. And partly because they used to play tennis with, with everybody who works inside the justice right. in the Supreme Court. And then the these firms, I mean that's a real practical benefit. And then these firms get to, to uh, crow about how many former Supreme Court justice clerks they've got on the payroll at the firm that could be handling your case if you show up. And so it makes the firm's millions of dollars, of course, but that is what's on the line. That is what's at stake. These people's futures are so freaking cushy that there is therefore an enormous amount at risk with this investigation. They're all quaking in their teeny booties. I assume they have tiny boots. You mentioned uh, that they start out at the bottom of the totem pole usually. Isn't that cultural appropriation? I mean, you're not an indigenous uh, North American person. That's a good point. Do you you really have a right to use the phrase totem pole? I have actually heard people tell me Mm -hmm. that the bottom of the totem pole is where you want to be. 
that's the best place or something. I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I wouldn't say that it's cultural appropriation. Did uh, they give until, an explanation as to why you'd want to be at the bottom? No. Maybe the, that's... The crushing burden of all the, the, the figures above you uh, mm, for good, good hundreds question. of years good pressing question. down on your shoulders? I don't but, think I'd want to be there. Well, maybe that's where the, the passersby get to admire your 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 your, your totem. You're, you're beautiful. As opposed to at the top, nobody can see what's going on up there. It's way too tall. I don't Look, I don't know. But it, as soon as somebody sends in a complaint uh, message... Uh, I will stop using the metaphor, no problem. But I think we're okay for now. I don't All know, right. but we'll see. Question number six. Uh, are you ready for a blockbuster June in the Supreme Court? Oh, yeah. So we got so abortion much. and we got guns. We got a religion and we got immigration. So let's just uh, quickly run down. First, of course, abortion. Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. The Alito opinion was leaked in February, as we mentioned. Mississippi's uh, a ban on abortion says after 15 weeks, forget about it. No abortions. Forget about it. Chief Justice Roberts seemed to be leaning during the oral arguments uh, to keeping Roe and yet saying, you know, within the row structure of reasonable versus unreasonable restrictions on a woman's right, I'm okay with the Mississippi ban of 15. You know, nothing right. inherently horrible about 15. Uh, yeah. That's Roberts. Uh, we know that the three liberals, of course, are going to be uh, voting against Mississippi. Um, so I, I, I guess the big question is, will we ever know if there was an effect of the leak? And I guess some people might say, you know, it, it, maybe the one of the conservatives will join Roberts because part of the commentary about the leak has been that 70 percent of Americans are in favor of Roe and 30 percent uh, are against Roe. Yeah. And the question is, is that kind of overwhelming public opinion? 70, 30 is a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, is that going to influence the court having seen the blowback to the draft by Alito? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, nobody knows for sure. My suspicion is uh, that it won't. My suspicion is that this early leak is actually uh, uh, going to lower the 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 temperature of the response that that will happen once this becomes law uh conservatives have had lots of time to strategize liberals have had a lot of time to talk to each other and hear from conservatives who are saying look it's not going to be that bad uh chill out why are you freaking out these you know it's not we're not overturning abort uh, abortion rights we're not abandoning abandoning anything uh we're just saying that you know, it's a states rights issue the classic civil war nonsense of its states rights issue etc it, it, i think it's actually going to lower the temperature we're going to see fewer protests with fewer attending attendees there's going to be less blowback when the actual opinion comes out, much less, in fact, because we've already had that reaction, but it was very muted because it was a leak. And yeah, it was kind of ironic yeah. if the purpose of the leak was to generate a yeah. firestorm of criticism, yeah. if in fact it just sort of softened things up. If it was, but the p purpose and remember of the leak, we don't know. We don't yeah. know who it was. It may have been to do exactly this. It may have been. Jenny, Jenny Thomas. Jenny Thomas. Line or, up the conservatives. Or Tom Alito or, or whatever. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, or Alito or Thomas, uh, yeah. who decided let's leak this now. Now, is that their nickname on the court? Tomolito? Tomolito, yeah. Like sure. Benifer? I, 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 ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? Yeah, exactly. They're, it's their celebrity couple name. Yeah. All right. Uh, abortions number one, guns number two. You got the New York uh, State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. New York law says that applicants for permits to carry concealed weapons must show a special need beyond just general self-defense. Uh, eight states plus D.C. have such laws. In the oral argument before the Supreme Court a few months ago, it sounded like the court would probably strike down the New York law 
law. Uh, so the New York law will be gone probably, but reasonable restrictions are still okay under Heller. Um, the idea is there's no need for a special reason to exercise your First Amendment right to speak. Why do you need some special permit for a gun? I guess the wild card here is, again, similar to the blowback on the uh, the leak of the draft, the wild card is the effect of the mass shootings in Brooklyn and yeah. Texas. Is that going to move any votes on the Supreme Court? Uh, or are they going to feel emboldened to say, yeah, we hereby say under Heller, uh, we know that the Second Amendment applies to personal uh, gun use. And uh, doggone it, you know, we'll have some background checks and we'll, we'll, we won't let you own a bazooka and so on. But you don't have to justify your reason as to why you are carrying a concealed weapon because because, doggone it, this is America, read the Second Amendment. Yeah, I don't think that the effects of these mass shootings are. I, I think that, as uh, a couple of smart people said, after Parkland, if it didn't change uh, anything then when a bunch of toddlers were murdered, uh, nothing will change it. N there is no amount of dead children in schools that will lead to gun control. And I actually agree. I think that the conversation will not ever be driven by the body counts because we as Americans and Supreme Court justices are so abstracted uh, so so pulled away from uh, and so inured to become used to the body counts and the horrific circumstances and how terrible everything is that the only people who are responding uh, to those, the only people who who see that and whose media, because we have our own media, we have two separate media universes, conservative and liberal, the only people who are seeing the horrific circumstances and having it splashed in their faces and, and hearing over and over about, again about it are the people who are already for gun control and there aren't enough of those people and they're not enough for gun control. And I think what will change uh, uh, the public's opinion is movement from the top. When politicians like Joe Biden tweet out, uh, we got to do something, uh, I think he's letting us all down because he has to be a leader. He has to show us how to do something, right? And I think people give him too much slack in the same way that I think people say, oh, well, you know, silly. Uh, the president doesn't control gas prices. You're right. The president doesn't control gas prices. The president controls the direction of the country and the mood of the country and the the the, the goals of the country. He lays out an agenda. He pushes that agenda. He wheels and he deals and he reaches out to get support for his agenda. And when you have two houses of Congress, you can do something about anything. You can solve our problems. It might not happen tomorrow. Biden can't snap his fingers or flip a switch in the Oval Office and change the gas price tomorrow. And he can't stop a wild, uh, 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 evil person from showing up at a school with a gun tomorrow. But what he can do is start the gears turning, start the, the motion of the process to change things for the better. And we have to make things you know, change for the better. There will not be a grassroots movement uh, of support, groundswell of support like there was in Australia after their only mass shooting event, wherein they uh, had a massive groundswell of, 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 of support for gun control movements that changed the culture in that country. We are too embedded in our culture. We are too embedded, embedded in, uh, and, and there are too many people who are invested in uh, the idea that guns are the solution, not the problem, that more guns is the way to go, which is why our conversation currently is being driven by put more cops in schools, or as Republican politicians are up there on in interviews saying, well, what if we had man traps coming in and out of schools with trip wires? So if somebody goes in, then they trip on the trip wire and then the man trap slams close the doors and then the shooter is trapped in the front of the school and there's only one door getting in and out. And you're like, 
What is the what universe Just does like this person you, live in? Like when you go to the bank and you get in that little yeah, uh, exactly. hermetically sealed yeah, exactly. well, area. Oh, okay, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe there, we, we shouldn't be trying to think about how to turn every single American institution from school to uh, movie theaters uh, to uh, hospitals where, you know, there was a recent shooting uh, a, where multiple doctors were killed um, a, a, in a hospital uh, by a guy who acquired that gun that legally that day uh, or the Buffalo shooting in a grocery store where 10 people mm-hmm. uh, uh, were were shot or maybe 10 people died more were shot. I can't even remember. There's so many shooting events. I can't even keep the numbers straight in Buffalo, New York. The, this white supremacist travels specifically to a black neighborhood and shoots up a grocery store. You can harden every grocery store too. You can arm every grocery store clerk and train them like cops. They didn't sign up for that. Teachers didn't sign up for that. Guess what will happen if you put guns in grocery stores and schools and teachers? They'll shoot kids. They'll shoot people of color, mostly, in schools and grocery stores and everywhere else. Guns are not the answer. We're we're going to find out. We're not going to get that solution from the bottom. That's all I'm saying. We're going to get two or three weeks from now. We're going to get the decisions in the gun case, the abortion case. When we come back, we're going to talk about the other two areas, prayer in school and all. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, immigration. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor. So we're wrapping up our sixth of seven questions. Provocative questions, Connor. Uh, The uh, sixth question is, uh, gee, what about the big blockbuster cases Coming down the pike from the Supreme Court, uh, we've talked about abortion, we've talked about guns. Immigration is on the docket, the Remain in Mexico rule. You may recall Donald Trump uh, back in 2019 implemented a rule saying, hey, if the U.S. does not have room in their detention facilities for folks coming across the border uh, seeking asylum, well, then they're going to have to stay in Mexico uh, while we evaluate their request. Joe Biden reversed this, but the lower courts blocked Biden. And so now the case of Biden versus Texas is before the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Any predictions as to whether the remain in Mexico rule is going to survive all of this? Yeah, I I think it is. I think it's a very seductive idea. Um, And it's classic uh, uh, conservative Supreme Court uh, outcome to... um, for, it was classic for Trump and the conservatives to have supported it, and I think it's going to be, you know, classic and in line with the with them, and, and likely that the Supreme Court signs on to it. The idea of taking this massive, complicated issue of um, immigration at the southern border, uh, the 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 economic and socio political. Uh, uh, 
typhoons happening across South and Central America at, at various times in different countries for different reasons. And our concept of, uh, of, 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 of granting asylum to people on humanitarian grounds and sort of lumping those all into one big a big situation saying, well, what if we just say it's Mexico's problem until we deal with it on an individual basis? It's a classic example, I think, of the the sort of law and order conservative saying, well, let's make it a, an individual problem. Every individual will have to prove uh, asylum. Um, and until they do, the default setting is no. And that is is really the issue is our asylum laws. Um, because they're there for humanitarians, uh, humanitarian reasons, and they're there to protect the people who are in the most extreme danger, the most vulnerable, the default setting, the way that they're written and drafted, and the way that ha- they have worked for for decades, is that by default, if somebody comes to you and says, "I'm being chased by an axe murderer," you don't say, "Remain in the haunted house until uh, you have proven uh, in court that there is an axe murderer in the house with you. And they say, okay, how long until I get a hearing? And you go, well, you may never get a hearing. Um, and our immigration courts are incredibly backed up. And when you do, maybe you're a five-year-old and we don't give you a lawyer. And so it's a five-year-old against the United States arguing who's going to win, right? I mean, that's the, that's the status of our current immigration system. And the idea that we say the default setting should be remain in Mexico, remain in a different difficult, dangerous situation. Uh, it's another government's problem, whether you're an immigrant from uh, Colombia uh, or uh, any other country, it doesn't matter. Just remain in Mexico. And that Mexico will therefore you know, outsource our, our problem solving uh, on immigration to Mexico. It, it's, it's, it's wild. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a good system whatsoever. These people aren't going to Mexico for asylum. They're going to the United States for uh, asylum. And the idea that just because that's where they happen to cross the border that we could turn on and make it Mexico's fault and that Mexico will have the resources and ability as a very as a much smaller and less resourced country that who's and this is not their problem to solve to just say, well, therefore, I've solved it. Congratulations. I'm Donald J. Trump. I approve this message Buy my Trump steaks or whatever. <laughs> it's crazy talk. It's crazy. And the idea that then Biden came in and, and, and took it upon himself to try to solve that problem. Good job, at least there on that one thing on the other all the other things you've screwed up on immigration. Biden and that, but at least this one, you tried to get rid of this Trump era policy. And then they just had a lower court say, nope, actually, well, we're gonna stick with Trump. Sorry about that. Well, one more time. We're gonna get the answer within a few weeks. And the final issue, uh, religion, prayer and school. Uh, there's a high school football <laughs> coach uh, named Kennedy uh, filed a suit versus Premier school district he liked to have a prayer after the game on the 50 yard line to uh, thank the lord for very few spinal cord injuries during the football game right right and at oral argument the conservative justices uh, seem to be leaning towards saying you know this is free speech it's not really an endorsement of religion by government it's kind of minimal uh, and if they rule this way it'll be kind of a comeback because you know prayer in school has been pretty much uh, kaput uh, since the earl warren court in the 1960s um, you know, the remnants of religion, you know, you pick up the dollar bill, it says, in God we trust, and the Senate starts out its, uh, its sessions with a prayer. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling that the, the fact that it's a, a quick take a knee, have a quick prayer at the 50-yard line, yes, it's a, a public school event, but I'm guessing the Supreme Court's going to be okay with that. I unfortunately agree with you. I think the Supreme Court is going to vindicate uh, this uh, football coach. I think that this is... Um, the camel's nose under the tent in terms of uh, these religious 
um, uh, prayer in school and religious expressions in, in public spaces and sponsored by, you know, public school uh, being you know, utilizing public school resources and time and space and energy and endorsement uh, to, to further religious goals. I, I really do think it'll only get worse from here because the Supreme Court is uh, so conservative and they have the supermajority. And so they don't even need to you know fight with individuals on the court. They can just steamroll them. Uh, the most extreme members can mostly steamroll them. And it, it, it really is tragic, I think, because Generally, students in schools in Supreme Court uh, First Amendment jurisprudence uh, are about on the level of a, a prison, a prisoner in a federal penitentiary. Uh, you don't have rights. We don't give a crap about you. We don't care about students and their rights. Are you kidding me? They're children. They don't have brains yet. We don't. They don't deserve anything yet. We can put student resource officers, i.e., cops, on their their uh, campuses who can arrest them for minor offenses. Uh, we can. Uh, prevent you from putting up a the, the famous bong hits for Jesus case. Great case. One of my favorite cases, <laughs> except for the fact that, of course, the outcome is terrible. But And they uh, still haven't figured out what the heck that means. Exactly. Supreme Court uh, says that these kids who uh, at a at a school uh, approved b- event uh, where they watch the Olympic torch run through their little Alaska town, these kids hold up a banner that says bong hits for Jesus. And uh, the uh, administrators suspended them uh, for doing this. They weren't at school, they weren't on school grounds. They weren't enrolled in school, like they weren't in class or doing, you know, class school directed activities. They were, in fact, across the street from the school. Uh, the school, having been let out, released the kids uh, in order to let them watch this thing. They were done for the day. They unrolled a banner, uh, totally off school grounds. Uh, now imagine if you go to a political rally and you say, "I support Bill Clinton, from 1996," and you're you're. Uh, uh, you get suspended for making this political speech. Right. But guess what? We don't care about students, right? We don't care about, especially if they're talking about drugs, drug cigarettes. Are you kidding me? Bong? You're trying to mix <laughs> bongs and Jesus? I won't have it. And we they, we do not care at all about, about kids' First Amendment rights. And so they will, you know, inevitably in these cases uh, lose. And when kids say, So if it I had been Budweiser have... for Buddha, same outcome? Yeah, same exact outcome. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you say to, to, uh, to kids, this, this, if you ask this uh, current conservative supermajority Supreme Court, look, kids in school would like, uh, you know, not to have to be exposed to religious imagery, iconography, speech, whatever else. Guess what they're going to say? They're going to say, I don't really care about this issue. It's not a big deal. In fact, I think this is part of some liberal, you know, plot uh, to squash Christianity. And I think Christianity should make a comeback because I'm a super religious uh, conservative, like a Catholic, like Alito and Thomas. Like, I, I think that you know Christianity's got a boot, a boot on its neck in this country. And guess what? Christianity is making a Christo-fascist comeback in our country. Okay, we've covered three of the blockbuster topics the Supreme Court's going to address uh, the rest of this month. Abortion, guns, prayer in school. One more to go, and that's immigration. The remain in Mexico rule. So President Trump in 2019 implemented a rule saying, hey, if America does not have room in its detention facilities at the border, guess what? People seeking asylum have to stay in Mexico just across the border while we handle the paperwork. The idea was that if you let people come into the country and you say to them, hey, well, you know, normally we'd keep you in the detention facility, but we just don't have room. So do you really, really promise to show up at your immigration hearing on your asylum request in six or nine months? Oh, yes, sir. We'll be there. Absolutely. 
Well, the Trump administration said, you know, trust but verify. Let's not trust. Let's just say, no, we don't have the facility. So that was the plan in 2019. That was the law. Joe Biden gets into the presidency. And what do you know? One of the first things he did was he reversed it. He said, no, these people don't have to remain in Mexico. Why? They might be facing danger or hardship. Let them in. Trust them. So Biden reversed it. But what do you know? Somebody sued and the lower courts blocked the Biden approach. And so it worked its way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the case of Biden versus Texas is now before the Supreme Court. And in addition to all the other hot button issues before the high court, we're going to hear before the end of June whether or not the remain in Mexico rule will survive. Okay, we've covered six of our seven topics. Let's go to the final issue. Number seven, did you know David Hasselhoff is not the world's richest lifeguard? Some people of a certain age will remember the Baywatch series, internationally famous, where David Hasselhoff put on his red shorts and went out there and saved countless lives. So here's the deal. Are you thinking of a career change? How about lifeguarding in Los Angeles? You can make over $500,000 a year. Yes, your duties include flirting with girls on the beach and a couple of times a day swimming out to help a nerd who didn't listen to advice about not trying to swim against the riptide. Just sort of go parallel to the coastline until you find an opening. So, an investigation by OpenTheBooks.com has discovered that LA's highest paid ocean lifeguard, a captain named Daniel Douglas, raked in a total of 200, excuse me, $510,000 in total compensation in 2021, nearly half of which, about 246 grand, was from overtime pay. Lots of people needed saving. His base salary was 150, but he brought in another 29,000 in other pay, whatever that means, and 85 grand in benefits to surpass the half million dollar mark. Now, he isn't alone in the, this uh, atmospheric uh, high earning area. Uh, there's another high earning lifeguard on the county's payroll. The number two in 2021 was Fernando Boitu, who made $464,000, followed by Section Chief Kenichi Balu Haskett at $409,000. All told, 98 LA lifeguards made at least $200,000 in 2021. So your tax dollars at work, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll be very happy to know uh, how the taxes are being paid to these lifeguards. So if you're thinking about a career change, that is definitely a big option. We don't have time for Guess the Verdict this week, but uh, I'll give you a little clue uh, about next week's Guess the Verdict question that we're going to pose to Connor. How much money should a guy get when the office throws him a birthday party he said he really, really didn't want. Yes, there was a lawsuit resulting from this situation. We'll give you all the details next week on Too Many Lawyers. Maybe we'll have some actual decisions out of the Supreme Court to comment upon. Have a great week. See you then. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. 